Good morning and Happy New Year's. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Marston, would you open us in order of prayer, please? Join us to sing in hymn number 259, Jesus Saves.
join us in standing once again. We'll sing hymn number 210, Wonderful Grace of Jesus.
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. your leadership there, Brother Aaron, real blessing. Uh, so Chuck and Crystal, why don't you come on up? This week, Chuck and Crystal celebrate uh, three years on church staff, and uh, it's been such a blessing. It's such a blessing to have them, and, uh, you know, we looked for, I looked for about two years to find them, and um, God was so good to bring them our way. I still remember... Uh, interviewing with him, and I said, uh, so uh, they were down in the panhandle of Texas there, and he's working a full-time job doing uh, some church work with the youth group, and I said, so where do you want to be by the time you're 30, you know, and he goes, well, I, I want to be pastoring, you know, by the time I get in my 30s, 40s, somewhere in there, and I said, well, I said, you know, I'm offering you an opportunity to come on full time, and we train you in some things, and uh, God's just done some amazing things in their lives. Most of you know they accepted a call to North Hills Baptist Church in San Marcos, California, and uh, we're sure going to miss them Friday night. If you want to see Chuck Sweat, you ought to come. We're going to have his ordination. Uh, it'll be a great time, and uh, then we'll have some uh, fellowship afterwards. Uh, so, but we want to acknowledge them being with us, and uh, thank you very much. I always remind Brother Chuck, he's here because of the girls, okay? <laughs> he's, he used to be third on the list, now he's fourth on the list. Preacher, I love you, buddy. Appreciate you guys very much.
Right. 
DC. Amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house. Hopefully you didn't stay up too late last night, uh, so you'll be wide awake today. Amen, right? So we start a new theme for the year. Our new theme is Faithful. You see the banners. Uh, our kind of anchor verse for that thought is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9. I'm going to be preaching there today, so if you want to uh, open your Bible uh, there. We put underneath there... 
uh, four areas. Of course, we realize there's many more, and you hopefully will be thinking on this uh, throughout the year. We put God and uh, church, families, and disciples. And uh, we need faithfulness in all those areas. Of course, God's got his, right? He's always faithful. Uh, some of us believe that anyhow. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 9, the first three words, God is faithful. And, uh, so, and then the church, we want our church to remain faithful to this book and to our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, then our families, we want our families to grow stronger together uh, in unity with uh, God at the center of uh, each one of our families. That makes us a strong church. And then uh, disciples, our desires that we might see many disciples made this year. I know that many of you share burdens for friends of yours, uh, lost loved ones, uh, people, neighbors, uh, and uh, so uh, our prayers that we remain faithful in trying to make disciples for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, I've entitled this Faithful, uh, and God is Faithful, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you found that, you can stand with me in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to begin in verse number 1. You can follow along with me. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Stothenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye, be, uh, that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And so our emphasis today is found in verse number 9, God is faithful by whom ye are called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for our time together here this morning. We thank you for the beautiful music that's been offered uh, to you and comes with our praise and adoration. We love you. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you that we can know our sins are forgiven. Heaven's our eternal home. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God. And we're so thankful for that picture of faithfulness. I pray that as we look into this new year, it would become our desire to be faithful to you, that we would live faithfully, that we would live righteously and honestly before those around us, that we would faithfully in these three areas of, of God and families and church and disciples, that we'd be faithful in our part in those areas, recognizing you are faithful in yours, 
And uh, as our example, Lord, we pray that you would go before us and that you would be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word today. The Holy Spirit would have power and freedom to move in our midst and in our lives. We love you and we'd ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, we read, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that, by, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. So as we start this uh, today, uh, we read the first 10 verses for a reason, and I'll get to that here in my introduction. We see uh, that God's talking about His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the first 10 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul refers to Jesus in every verse for a total of 11 times. That's why we read that, because every verse has a reference to Jesus. They reference him as Christ, as Jesus, as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Uh, he's referenced there uh, in those 10 verses. Uh, it's an emphasis on Jesus, and Paul promotes the same cure for the problems of the Corinthians. Getting your eyes off of self and on Jesus. So if you've been around the Bible much, you've studied it at all, you realize that when we come to the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, they're written as, as help books, okay? The church had sin existing in them, the Corinthian church, and so God sent Paul along to write letters to that church to help correct issues and problems in the local New Testament church. Now, the first thing that would do for us is to help us to realize that we're not perfect. Just look around. Just take a look around. You're not setting by perfect people. Now, if you think you're perfect, I'm just telling you, you ain't perfect, okay? Just like my English ain't perfect, you ain't perfect, okay? None of us are perfect. I think we readily agree with that. None of us are perfect. And we are just a few false moves away from becoming as bad as the church in Corinth. I mean, it can happen. We've watched it happen, right? Churches that we've been tied to or known about through the years have gone directions that we thought, how in the world did that happen? How did they go from a soul-winning station to a social church? Just preaching and tickling ears and making people feel good and all those kind of things. I'm telling you, it's happening. So, God told Paul, I want you to write these letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, to the church. I want you to help them to make the changes that are necessary to get them back on track that they might live for God. Now, I hope we realize that Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple is only as strong as its weakest member. It's only as strong as its weakest member. All of us who know Christ and we've join Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple, we want to function together that we might see the Lord Jesus Christ lifted up and exalted in our lives, in our living, in our families, and all that we do. We want to reach out to the lost world around us and win them to Jesus Christ and disciple them 
to help them know their Bibles and to grow by knowing their Bibles. We want all those things to be accomplished. But we're only as strong as our weakest member. Now, I don't want to be the weak link. I see what ha- I've seen what happens when you have a weak link. When you have a weak link and, and hard times come, that weak link, they, they can't take the pressure. It breaks, it shatters, it'll break the chain. So here we are in, I believe, the latter days before Jesus Christ comes. And I think it would behoove us all to do our best to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. To realize that when we come together to church, we're not coming together to play. This isn't social hour. It isn't happy hour. They isn't like, well, I ain't got anything else to do on Sunday morning. I really kind of like those people. I think I'll just go hang out with them. They're good moral people. It's far deeper than that, okay? We're talking about wanting to be servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be disciples of him. We want to make disciples for him. We want to influence the world around us. So please, let's make this a year of not saying, well, you know, I'll take church, I'll leave church, I'll go when I feel like going. I'm I'm just, you know, I've got a lot of activities going on this week. I need some time to rest. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to benefit me. I'm going to worry about me. Get away from me. Get away from self. That's what Paul's saying. Get your eyes off of yourself and get them on Jesus. Simple, simple, simple illustration, one I think about a lot. I'm closer to seeing Jesus now than I've ever been. You are too. You're several more heartbeats closer than you've ever been. By the time we're done today, you're going to be 30 minutes closer to seeing Jesus than you've ever been before. How do you want to stand before him? How do you want to stand before the one, before the one who loved you so much he gave his only begotten son to die for you? I want to stand there with arms wide open, loving and waiting to meet him. I can't wait to see him. But I'm afraid that many Christians today, not necessarily you, but many Christians in churches today, it's like this. They got a hand in the world they got a hand in church. Well, it's Sunday, so I've got maybe a foot in church too. A hand and a foot in church. Boy, I'm one of the best Christians. But boy, you know, I, you know, you know preacher, I gave, I gave God his. Now I need to get back over here because I've got to make for mine. I've got to make for me. The truth of the matter is, is that every day, child of God, that it ought to be all about him. Ought to be all about him. All we do, all that we say, everywhere we go, all the all all encompassing of our life ought to be about him. Ought to be about him. And so Paul is writing here and being used of the Lord to help this church at Corinth to get it turned around, get it back on track, and to get their eyes on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we go to verse number nine, and there we read <clears throat> right off the bat: God is faithful. We're just going to stop and think about this today. God is faithful. So let's define faithful. Well, faithful is a firm adherence to the truth. Firmly adhering to duty of true fidelity. Loyal. Constant in the performance of duties are services. I like this definition. Constant, not fickled. I like that word, fickled. Sounds like pickle, and it tickles me, okay? Sorry, 
the preacher's mind. That's the way it operates. Not fickled. Don't be a fickle pickle, okay? Stay focused on the Lord. And then they write, as a faithful lover or friend. Do you have faithful friends? I hope you have faithful friends. I've got some friends, some in this room. I've called at midnight and said, hey, my car broke down. I was an hour and a half away. The guy came and got me and picked me up, brought me home. And then the next day, he brought a trailer. We towed the vehicle back home. I mean, just faithful friends. Friends who get up and help you do whatever's necessary. And I know what you're thinking, Jim Stanford. He's thinking, that's because you drive a Chevy. But when I was out the other day in the snow, I didn't see many Fords, okay? They were all sitting in the driveway. It was all the Chevys out in full force, okay? So, uh, talking about being faithful. Be constant. Be faithful. Be firmly adherent to the truth. Be firmly adhering to duty. True fidelity. Loyal. Loyal. Constant in performance or duties of services. Can I say that's what our God is? He firmly adheres to the truth because he is the truth. Amen? And he has established for us the pillar and the ground of truth, which is the local New Testament church, that we might be faithful, that we might come to, to be admonished, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, that we might live for him. He is true and loyal. No one's ever been as true and loyal as God has been to you. No one's ever been there. Through, through everything I've gone through, God has always been there by my side. He's there no matter what I'm doing. He's there if, if I'm resting, if I'm napping, if I'm, if I'm sleeping, if I'm driving, if I'm studying. He is always there by my side. He is loyal. He is constantly the same. I love this fact. He is constantly the same in all that he does. Can you imagine there are, there are cults today that over the last 50 years have changed their beliefs because they've had new, new enlightenment from God. Well, we know that they are not biblical because God said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is established. He is faithful. He is constantly the same in all that he does. He is constant, not fickle or changing. He is true and worthy of our belief. <coughs> Here in Exodus, like I uh, read to you earlier, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7, I want to emphasize verse number 7. It says, uh, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. These are qualities that we're talking about of God. Now, the thing that really captured me about this verse is, first of all, he talks about the fact that he's got mercy for thousands. So God's not going to run dry on mercy, praise the Lord. He's always had plenty of mercy for me. I know he'll always have plenty of more because I'm going to undoubtedly need more. He's going to have mercy for me, and he's got plenty of mercy for you. He's not limited. And so he has mercy for thousands. And this is, this is really great. He forgives iniquity, which is injustice or unrighteousness. Uh, it's like a sin or a crime, wickedness or an act of injustice. He forgives transgression. 
And uh, transgression is any voluntary transgression of divine law or violation of a divine command, a wicked act or an iniquity, a sin that comprehends uh, not action only but neglect of known duty, all evil thoughts, purposes, words, and desires, whatever's contrary to God's commands or law, that's a transgression. And then sin. He is there to judge and forgive our sin. He is there... Uh, to help us in our time of need. And so God is there forgiving, forgiving iniquity, forgiving transgressions, and forgiving sin. And then we come to the final part of that verse where he says, and that will no means clear the guilty. Have you ever been involved in an activity? And uh, I know this was popular a few years ago. I, I don't know if it still happens. Where everybody's a winner. Remember that movement that was out there? And so you would put ball teams against each other, but you wouldn't keep score because everybody's a winner. And at the end, everyone would get a trophy because everybody's a winner. Can I just say that in God's economy, that there are those that have been saved and there are those that have not been saved? And my study of the scripture records for us that when we get to the end of life, it's not that there's many roads to heaven. It's not that you're going to go your own way to heaven. According to Scripture, there's one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And according to this Scripture, at the end, he's not going to say to those who are guilty, who have never been saved, oh, you know what, why don't you just come on over? He's not going to be like a grandpa that says, oh, you know, I've thought about it, and you guys had had enough. You just just come on over here. We'll, We'll just... I'm such a God of love, I'll just love everybody. You just come any way you want to. Now, that would go contrary to the God that we worship. That would go contrary to the God of the Bible. For the God of our Bible has set standards and limits, and he has set places that, that first of all, for salvation, that we have to believe in him. It is only through him that we go to heaven. And then he has expectations of of how we ought to live and what marriage is and and how we should value life. He has set all these expectations, and when we come to the end of it, he's not going to say, you know what, I'll just wash that all out. Just you all come on in. For the guilty will still be held guilty. Something that our law system could really learn, I think. The guilty are really guilty. And that the, the judgment will pass down. It's kind of a family thing. You don't hear a lot of preaching about that. You read it a lot in the Old Testament, though, where things were handed down, down, down. Through the sin of the fathers, handed down, handed down, handed down. You say, well, what does that look like? Well, you know, uh, I grew up with some some people in my family that had uh, some alcohol problems. I've grown up with some that have had drug problems. And I've seen in relationship, just in my own family, I've watched uh, 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 brothers had alcohol problems and his sons turned to uh, drugs as a problem. I've seen those things continue on. It's just kind of a hand-me-down effect that happens and it's the passing down of what they've grown up seeing. The only hope for them is that someone will come to them with the gospel and get a hold of their hearts, sharing with them about Jesus Christ that they might turn that, that tide around, turn that generation around. But some, the sin is so rampant and so vile 
there is no turnarounds. Just they continue in that pattern. That's the way they're raised. That's how they continue to live. So God has said, I'm going to keep mercy. I'm going to forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of that. But I just want you to know that I'm not just going to clear off the guilty that there's going to be a judgment that they will have to face. And so that judgment will be there. He is faithful. Now I want to give you seven thoughts about his faithfulness. Okay, seven things to think about, mull over this year, seven things to consider. And the Bible gives us so much more insight. I would challenge you this year, if you're a Bible reader, you're planning to read through your Bible, you might just get a notebook and say, you know, I'm going to record every time that I find something that refers to God's faithfulness. And it might not necessarily use the word of God being faithful, but you might look at it and go, oh, that's God being faithful right there. That's, that's God fulfilling. That's God doing his part. And I think it would be a benefit and a help to us. So the Bible gives us a lot. Here's the first one. <clears throat> and I like this one. His faithfulness, his faithfulness is not dependent Upon our faithfulness. I like that. His faithfulness doesn't depend on our faithfulness. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 3 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? That's a good thought. So, I've had people tell me, well, I just don't believe in God. Doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. He is there. He is God. And one day you will face him. You still have a choice to make. And your choice that you're making now is not to believe in God. The Bible says the foolish man said in his heart there is no God. So they're making a choice. And I can say, well, I don't believe in God, but that doesn't mean God's going away. When I die, I'm going to face him. God is faithful, even when I'm not faithful. Even when I refuse to be faithful, or it's not dependent upon my faithfulness. Uh, there's, there was a time that even though I was saved, I did things I shouldn't have been involved in. I wasn't as faithful to God. I wasn't as faithful to Him. I have, you know, different areas of my life, whether it was tithing or whether it was uh, prayer life or whether it's Bible reading, <coughs> whether it was witnessing and telling others about Christ. <clears throat> different areas of my life that I wasn't as faithful in as I should have been, but praise God, he is always faithful. Always faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 13 says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He, I like this, he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. So the first thought was his faithfulness <clears throat> is not dependent upon our faithfulness. The second thing is this. His faithfulness gives us confident hope. His faithfulness gives us confident hope. So I've been doing a lot of talking with Brother Chuck over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I've been talking about this San Marcos thing, what does it look like, and you know, what's, gonna, what's it going to be like? And I can tell the, the kid was scared. Who wouldn't be, right? You're going to uproot your family. You're going to move from a place that you can afford to live to a place you, you can't afford to live. You're going to walk away from a full-time salary. 
hoping they're going to be able to pay you a part-time salary. And you know what has been involved in their life? Faith. Faith. We were sitting there visiting one day, and I said, you know, Brother Chuck, <clears throat> I said, you remember what it was like when you left Texas and came to Kansas? Fresh air, how nice it is, the wonderful people. I said, but you remember what it was like? You had a, <clears throat> you had a full-time job. You had a house. Somebody had given them a house. They had a house. They had all these things. They had family close at hand. <clears throat> they had all these things. And they got uprooted from that, and they followed God to come to Kansas. I said, that is going to be a little step in comparison to this next step. But you'll be able to look back at that step, and you'll go, God was faithful there. God's going to be faithful here. That's the way we live our life. God was faithful here, and this is a bigger step, but if God was faithful here, he's not going to fail me here. I'm just going to keep walking with him. I'm going to keep trusting him. Who else are you going to trust in? It ain't Joe Biden and them yo-yos up there in Washington. Not going to rely upon the government to feed me and take care of me. I'm going to rely upon God. He loves me. He cares for me. They just want all my money. I mean, you know, there's quite a difference there. So his faithfulness should give us a confident hope. Hebrews 10.23. Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Hallelujah. In Psalms 86.15. But thou, o Lord, art God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. So his faithfulness gives us a confident hope. The third thing is his faithfulness is the foundation for all that he does. His faithfulness is the foundation for all that he does. In Psalms 33 and verse number 4 we read, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. His faithfulness foundation for all that he does. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that our God is faithful. I'm thankful that he loves us and cares for us. He gave us a faithful word that we can read and study. He gave us a faithful God that we can believe in. He has been so good to us. The fourth thing for us to think about is his faithfulness guarantees our forgiveness. His faithfulness guarantees our forgiveness. I don't know if you've done a lot of thinking about this, but uh, when you first get saved, you might tend to think, well, how do I know that he really forgave me? How do I know? This is one of the things that the devil used to use in my mind as a young person. I'd get going along serving God, and then all of a sudden, oh, smutty face come along and begin to get me to doubt whether I was saved or not. You know, did I really do it right? Did I really do those things? And finally, I had... An older preacher told me one time, why don't you just take your Bible in the front of it, write down the date that you got saved, recognizing you did everything that the Bible required of you to get saved. And I, so I did that. I wrote it down in front of my Bible. Every time the devil would come along to try to get me to doubt my salvation, am I really saved? If I was really saved, would I act like that? Would I do these things? And uh, all that kind of stuff, I just turned it in front of my Bible. Yep, I did it right there. Right there, I can look back. This is the date I got saved. I did what God asked me to do in his word. I know that I'm saved because I did what he asked me to do. It's settled. 
boy, that, that brought such peace. Because then I was able to go ahead and, and grow in the things of God. I wasn't back here always fighting that same thing that was behind me. Now I can grow closer to the Lord. So his faithfulness guarantees our forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm so thankful. If I confess my sins to him, that he's going to forgive them. They're gone. They're taken care of. The Bible says they're buried in the deepest ocean. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. He removes our sins and cleanses us from all, all, not some, all unrighteousness. <clears throat> How can you be confident of those things? Because I go back and I memorize scriptures like that to give me confidence in the fact that God is faithful to do what he says he'll do. The fifth one. His faithfulness, this is good, his faithfulness means fellowship. His faithfulness means fellowship. 1 John 1, 9, where we are today. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, where we are today. God is faithful by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus wants the fellowship with you. <laughs> That's pretty baffling when you think about it. God wants to know me. God wants me to talk to him. Now, you know, my wife and I, we pretty much have the perfect marriage. I mean, she married perfect, so what, what can you expect, right? No. There's been times that she said, you, you haven't talked to me all day. I'm like, okay, that's, uh, I know where that's going. That's not good, Okay. But sometimes, guys, we just get busy and focus, right? We've got something we're focused on, and, and maybe we neglect our wives like we should, and probably the best thing you can do at that is stop, sit down, converse, maybe take them out to eat, go get a coffee, something like that. But my wife, she needs, I need that. I'm probably the bigger needer of that than she is. I need that communion that fellowship, togetherness. I chose her. She chose me. I need that. i got to have that interaction. And here's God saying, Son, I want you to come. I want you to fellowship with Jesus. <clears throat> Do you know, there was actually an individual um, was told me this story one time, that we had a... Um, lady in the church, they had joined our church, and, uh, and they said, well, you ought to sit down and visit with Mrs. Metzinger. And she goes, sit down with the preacher's wife? What would I say? What, how, how, do you, how do you talk to the preacher's wife? You know, like she's um, scary. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> like she's different because she's the preacher's wife. She's just a human being too, okay? She's just a human being too. We like fellowship. We like to hang out with you all. I think it makes for a strong church body when we fellowship together. But you know, we might look and say, well, I can fellowship with brother so-and-so and so-and-so -and -so here and this person here and this person here. I can do all that, but Jesus? Oh, no. Like I think that lady was thinking, 
If I hang out with the preacher's wife, she's probably more spiritual than me, and she'll see right through me. Oh, but think about this. Hanging out with Jesus? He's going to see right through me. He's going to know. I mean, I might go to church, and I may fool the preacher and all the deacons and all them, but there ain't no fooling Jesus. He knows your heart. By the way, doesn't matter if you hang out with him or not. He still knows your heart. With a person, you've got to get close to him, and then they go, oh, you're just a carnal person. I, I, there's no spiritualness about you. But Jesus, he doesn't even have to get that close. He goes, I, I know. Just the fact you don't want to fellowship with me tells me a lot. So one of the greatest things at our advantage as a child of God is that Jesus wants to fellowship with us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants to hear our requests. He wants us to read his word. He wants to have that interaction. And so he ought to become one of our closest friends. Young people, you got to become one of your closest friends. you got your whole life ahead of you. Why not have the smartest guy who created the entire world as your best friend? Pretty, pretty amazing to me. What do you think, girls? Should, shouldn't we have, do you know, the, the guy who created everything be our best friend? And shouldn't we kind of rely, rely upon him more than anyone else and build that relationship with him? Sure we should. So he is that, that close companion. He wants that fellowship with us. And uh, then the sixth thing is his faithfulness provides the antidote to temptation. <clears throat> his faithfulness provides the antidote to temptation. Now I'm sure most of you are more spiritual than me and you're never tempted to do anything wrong or watch something you shouldn't or anything like that. I'm sure that you probably succeeded at, but for us vile sinners, I want you to know temptation is probably like ever-present. And we need to realize that his faithfulness provides the antidote. It's the help for us not to give to temptation, not to give in to temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we read, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that, Ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. He is there to be our help. Temptation comes along. Husband, you're married to a great wife. You go on the job. This lady begins to talk to you all the time, wanting your attention, wanting to distract you. And the best thing you can do is say, God, I need your help. And you need to buy a good pair of running shoes and turn and run. Don't give place to the devil. Unless you want to fall, because that's just what's going to happen. Don't give place to him. Run the other direction. Turn to God. Say, God, I need your help. Might turn to your wife and say, honey, I need your help. Might be best to go in and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to quit my job at McDonald's, and I'm going to go over to Wendy's now because this gal's chasing me, you know. He is there. He is faithful. He provides the antidote or the help to fight off temptation. Seventh, his faithfulness protects us. His faithfulness protects us. Second Thessalonians 3.3 3. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish, establish you 
and keep you from evil. Now, I'm so glad that he protects us. I'm so glad he protects me. I look back over my life and I think of different things that came up in my life and I think, man, how did I get through that? It's because God protected me. Because God helped me. Because God, God wanted me to succeed. His faithfulness protects us. Now, because he is faithful, he is there to say, uh, hey, you know, I've, I've written you my word, my Bible. I'm the word. I want you to read it. I want you to have fellowship with me. I want you to know me. And we begin to read his word and we go, oh, looky here. I, I ought to change this in my life. This will help me to be a better servant of the Lord. This will help me to draw closer to God. I, I, need to, I need to give up this from my life and I need to begin to do this in my life. That I might become the person that God wants me to be. And he protects us. He gives us his word to be a help that we might accomplish that that is right that we might live for him, that we might serve him. The Lord is faithful. Verse number 9, chapter 1, God is faithful. Faithful. As we think about this new year, I hope every time that you see that banner, every time you think about the theme this year, you'll think, God is faithful. God's been so faithful to me. And you ought to maybe sit down over a cup of coffee this afternoon, this evening, first thing this week, and just begin to just jot down how God's been faithful to you. You know, I get to live in America. Well, that's, that's a really great thing. I've had good parents. God was faithful to me there. I got saved. That's great. I have a Bible. Matter of fact, I've got two shelves of Bibles. You know, it doesn't matter how many Bibles you possess, if you don't read one of them, it does you no good. But you know how many people around the world would love to have, let's just say, a New Testament? And you've got the entire Bible? I don't like Leviticus. I don't either. Numbers is boring, okay? But I got an entire Bible. To whom much is given? Much is required. God's been faithful. Just take time. Just write down. God's been faithful here. God's been faithful here. He, he helped me to... He's been faithful. He gave me a good wife. He's been faithful. He gave me some, some good kids. God's been faithful here, 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 and here. We need to maybe just make a faithful notebook. Boy, it, that would be awesome. Make a faithful notebook for this year of all the ways that God has been faithful and we might serve Him faithfully until we see him. Wouldn't it be great if this was the year? I think it'd be great. In August, we're going to, or at the, uh, the end of August, I think it is, we celebrate 55 years as a church. I think it'd be great if Jesus was here next week and we never got to celebrate it. That'd be so awesome. So let's live for him. Let's be faithful. We know he is faithful. Let's do our part to be faithful. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. I pray to God that uh, you would use your message in our lives to stir us, to motivate us, that we might live for you and serve you. I pray this year as we think about uh, faithfulness, we think about how faithful you've been to us. God, I pray that that might uh, challenge us to live more faithfully for you. 
I pray that it be our desire to walk with you and to know you and to serve you, to enjoy that sweet fellowship that you desire from us and that we need in our walk with you. We love you and we thank you for this time together today. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Have a moment of invitation. God spoke to your heart. Encourage you to come, whatever you need. The altar's open. Brother Foster, if you would. Just Matt's going to come with our announcements as he as he does. I want to mention that uh, Hodges are not here today. Uh, son of his is in uh, St. Luke's Hospital, so if you'd pray for uh, the Hodges, pray for uh, John. He's in St. Luke's. And then the Reicholts are real sick and uh, just got word yesterday about that. And so uh, if you'd pray for the Reicholts as they battle through uh, all this stuff that's going on.
All right, well, we got a pretty exciting new year. Uh, officer nominations in the back there. Uh, handout, some nominations on there. Those that are in office and that will be, we ask if you nominate, ask them, aren't surprised. Um, and then submit those ballots, offering box in the back by. Uh, also, this Friday, Brother Chuck will have an ordination ceremony. That's January the 6th. That'll be here at the church at 7, 7 o'clock in the evening. Uh, also, a chili cook-off and game night. That will be on January the 20th, uh, 6 church. Uh, all are encouraged to attend. And then the Branson um, couples retreat's coming up on January the 25th. Uh, on the bulletin, there is web address that you can go to uh, to get registered for that down in Branson. Uh, also, we'll have our church business meeting that will be coming up on Wednesday, January the 25th. Uh, we'll talk about voting of church officers, uh, what the year is going to look like, talk about also how the Lord has blessed 2022. Also, as Brother Chuck and Crystal uh, move the family out to California, please be in prayer for them as well. And then when you exit today, we got uh, our new pins, April, uh, Charlie, Brother Carl will be at the back. Please go ahead and take one of those uh, for your. All right, I think that is everything. Brother Marcus, you close us in prayer, please.